Open your Bible to the 103rd Psalm. I did not want to presume upon uh, his position and continue in Luke to do something that he was going to do. So I'm going to take an excursion into the 103rd Psalm. Uh, please give attention as I read these words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, in with, that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that all your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. It's a psalm of David, and it's uh, particularly instructive to us. I think it's uh, good to reflect on some of the truths in here following the celebration we just had of Thanksgiving, most of us, I trust. It's uh, one of the few pretty religious holidays that we have. Uh, if you were here Wednesday night, you heard the proclamation that Mel read the history of that holiday, uh, but there's part of uh, a reference to that in my mind in this psalm. It's uh, reflective of something in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because of you who are in Christ Jesus, who become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's what we're doing here. That's what David is doing. I believe when he wrote this, he was writing it primarily to himself. Now, you know his life story. And yet he's able to pen these words. It's, I believe, the last psalm that he wrote. I don't know where it falls in the timeline of his life. I suspect it was after his fall into sin, but he was able to speak this, and I believe for the most part, he's speaking it to himself. Of course, he's speaking it to us. It's in the canon of scripture. Believe 
that this is something praise-filled to the Lord. Shouldn't that be the heart of us who are Christians? It goes hand in hand with uh, Psalm 104. If you're reading these in your devotions, we won't delve into that, but they're very uh, helpful to read them together. <laughs> and it seems in verse two, uh, we have the theme here. Uh, <clears throat> it's to keep us from taking these things for granted. Forget not all his benefits. It's why I could have, attach this to the holiday of Thanksgiving. Sometimes we forget all his benefits. Uh, I'm talking to myself here too. It was disappointing to me to <laughs> not see a hundred of us clamoring to get to the microphones Wednesday night to thank the Lord for the blessings that he's given us. And I, I'm one of those. I stayed in my seat for whatever reason. Well, let's look at this and consider that for a minute. Look in verses one and two, and I want to show you how a, pray, a person should praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What do you see right there on the surface of how we should praise him? O my soul, all that is within me. What is within us, brothers and sisters, heart and soul? all that is within me, certainly not a half-hearted way. I don't mean that mean that we should demonstrate what some uh, very charismatic churches do when we do this, but where within you do you render praise to God? Do you even consider your situation? Do I even in relation to him? With all that is within us, we should bless him. Certainly not half-heartedly. I remember when I was in college, we'd run up against problems and somebody would flippantly say, going through this difficulty, what a blessing, what a blessing. Not really meaning that. We ought not to be half-hearted in our praise to God. I think it would change the way our prayer meetings are uh, demonstrating this truth if we considered this. Have you ever sat down to pray and just started with a litany of thankfulness for all the things God has done for us, all that he's done. David, David says this. What did he have? He had sins forgiven. We'll get into that in a minute. He had the blessings of after sinning being called a man after God's own heart. What does that do? It reflects back on the character of our God. It speaks of who he is and what he is. No wonder he writes this wholeheartedly. Goes back to Deuteronomy chapter six, nation of Israel. This admonition was given to them. And you know these words, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. It's a good time to notice the alls in this psalm. Look at verse one, all that is within me. Verse two, all his benefits. Verse three, all your diseases. Down to verses 21 and 22. <laughs> Bless the Lord, all his hosts. Bless the Lord, all his works. This is a truth that is 
all, <laughs> comprehending all things together that we ought to be rendering to God uh, thanks for. To rebuke, isn't it, to us in a small way at least for the lack of praise in our worship to God. Uh, how much uh, we ought to render to him. How often do we come to church? We engage our minds. We listen to Dr. Phillips. He has great truths. But are we really engaged with our hearts? To hear these things, let them sink into the mind and go away without having our hearts really engaged or if they're really engaged in our worship. Jonathan Edwards believed that there is no true worship that does not touch the affections. As I said, that doesn't mean you have to stand up and run down the aisle or yell out or anything, but we're often unaffected. We honor him with our lips to some degree while our hearts are far from him. Our Lord in teaching in the book of Matthew in chapter 15 quotes those very words from the uh, prophet Isaiah. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is what? Far from me. That's the opposite of the way we should be. Well, secondly, let's look at how we should praise God, how we should do this. Look at verses three through five. <laughs> I'll read those again. He forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, satisfies you with good. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. God's people have a problem. <laughs> what is it? We forget his blessings sometimes. All that he's given to us. You just look around the, this congregation here. Look at the people who are here. Look at the word that we have spoken to us from the pulpit. Look at the opportunities for service we have here. Over and over again, we're prone to forget. But we need to take care that we do not do that very thing. I know you will, we all do. But we need to remember, we need to constantly remember. In Second Chronicles, Hezekiah was spoken to said his heart was proud. He did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, that, listen, that's, that's the indictment right there. Did not respond to that. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Wow. For what? Because he did not show appreciation for the blessings of God, basically. One of the things that convicted me and led me to become a Christian was preaching I heard from Romans chapter one, that list of sins there that are spelled out for us. And one of them there that really struck me that day was they were not thankful. And I think I'll remember that forever. We need to be careful that we do not forget the Lord our God. Well, look at the things that are given here. The forgiveness of sins, verse three who forgives all your iniquities. We must begin with that, giving thanks to him for the moral cleansing. Don't you think David knew that? The one who was restored from his horrible sins. What can you be thankful for? <laughs> Most of us have a home, a roof over our head. I was listening to a young man this morning uh, at a place where I was 
talking about the difficulty of getting affordable housing for a man of his income in Greenville. So he decided to look around Spartanburg, was asking for help. We have homes. We have automobiles. What else do we have? Many material blessings. We need to remember back in Deuteronomy. Having acquired all these things, remember the words of Scripture? What good does that do a man if he loses his soul? All of those things. Forgiveness of things, sins, that is the greatest blessing. And David teaches us that by word and by example. It's our greatest, and we need to remember that. Notice the number of the sins that are forgiven. All your iniquity. My father, when he was being witnessed to, uh, I think I was a freshman in high school, local minister came to talk to him because I didn't have the temerity to do that, to talk to my dad about his salvation. And my dad brought up this objection. What if I go back and do that again and do that again and do that? Well, you could apply this. All your iniquity will be forgiven. Well, there's, here's a word in Corinthians to help you. There is no temptation that has overcome you such as common demand, but God will provide a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. And my father was convinced. You and I need to be convinced that our God will forgive all our iniquities, every one of them. Nothing so black, nothing so heinous. Don't you know, brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover all of our sin. David knew that. How is that demonstrated? Look at verse 12 and then we'll get back to where we are. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How far is that? How far is that? 10 miles, 12? Exactly. That's how far. What a gracious God we have. You know, if you're turning one way and looking, you can't see. If you're looking east, you can't see west. If you're looking west, you can't see east. Totally put out of our existence. He has justified us. Well, then again, he says, heals all your diseases. What is this? <laughs> what is this? I'm not teaching you a theology of healing atonement. Because we're saved does not mean all of our diseases are going to be healed. The most important disease will be healed, that of sin, that of sin. And when it comes to the day when we're called home, all of these things are going to be overcome, the physical diseases that we have. If you ever listen sometimes to the prayers we have, read the intercessor list after list, name after name, physical difficulties. All of that will be overcome in that day because our iniquities are forgiven and we're in him. We will be eternally healed that way. The reason that's bad theology, this thing of uh, healing atonement, can be found just by reading the scriptures. What about Job? What about Lazarus, that dear friend of our Lord's who died? and so many other examples. Eternally, however, we'll be freed. We'll be taken 
from the precipice of the pit. Our life is redeemed. Real, real illness will not overtake us, that of eternal damnation. And what does he say about this? God should be praised for that. Do we ever praise him for our salvation? Man, think where I would be without it. Another thing to recognize in verse four, <laughs> crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Steadfast. He's taken you from the pit, that is Sheol, the place where dead folks go, and he's redeemed us. What has he done? He's done this with what? Steadfast love and mercy. What does that mean? What is, the, what is he talking about here? Steadfast. It won't recede. It doesn't dwindle. It will be there. Our Savior's sacrifice is permanent. It's forever. It is all we need for all time. Verse five, he says, <clears throat> satisfies you with good. He's talking definitely about uh, eternal things there, but other blessings we have things in this life that he satisfies us with. And perhaps even the prospect of a long life. We'll be renewed like the eagles. We'll be renewed. How many of you remember uh, that verse? You probably memorized it from Isaiah. For they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's our promise, brothers and sisters. And I think David knew that. We'll be renewed like the eagles. This prospect will change. Back in Psalm 102, he talked about moping around with the owl in the wilderness here. And now he talks about soaring with the eagles for those who are redeemed. We will soar. Our sins are forgiven. The power of that sin has been subdued by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our penalty for sin has been averted. No wonder we're lifted up. No wonder we can soar like eagles. We are honored. Our needs are supplied. Our nature has been renewed. A complete 180 from where we were. No wonder we can soar like the eagles. <laughs> Well, what is God like that we should praise him? We're going to run. We won't touch all of these. Verses 6 through 18. You could quickly tick these off as you go down through here. Look at verse 6. Works of righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. What are we saying there? What are we saying? Well, works of righteousness is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and then the works that we can do through his power. And beyond that, we are given the justice. The justice for our sin has been satisfied in Jesus Christ. All in his work, these things have been accomplished. His righteousness, his justice. Verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious. What do we have there? What is mercy? Not getting what we deserve. 
And then along with that, he's gracious. He does give us the things we don't deserve. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are endowed with gifts from on high. He is merciful. He is gracious. On and on we'll go here. Look at verse nine. Don't you know that David really was speaking from the heart? He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. David dealt with this several times in his ministry as a king of Israel. He had to suffer penalty for his sin of adultery and murder. And then after, or uh, along with that, taking a census when it was not called for, he still had to uh, deal with the punishment for that. But what could he say? He does not chide us forever. There was a stopping place and God was so gracious. He said to David, okay, here's three penalties. Pick which one you want. <laughs> You're going to suffer, but I'm going to be nice to you. You pick which one you want. And he did. God did not chide him forever. Thank God. Some things stay with us forever. I, and I'm so glad God doesn't chide, but it still lingers. I was quick with a temper. I was uh, leading a crew on my job over 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> and I snapped at one of my co-workers because he didn't get a sample to the lab for testing in time. And I, I had to ask for forgiveness that night, both of him and of the Lord. But here I am 40 years later still remembering how curt I was to John that night. But I'm here to tell you 40 years later how blessed I am that he forgave me. It did not last forever. We add to that the fact that he does not treat our sins as they deserve. What was the punishment in the Old Testament, what it should be in the New Testament, for the sins of David, his sin of adultery and murder? What should have happened to him? Should have been killed. But we have here his testimony that God does not deal with us according to our sins. I don't know what yours are and you don't wanna know what mine are, <laughs> but aren't we so grateful that God doesn't deal with us according to our sins? He does not repay us according to our iniquities. Two different words for very similar thing. For David, he's talking about, I'm here to tell you I should be dead but I'm here to tell you God is not that kind of God, does not chide us forever. Indeed, you go to verse 17, you see a little more with regard to this. Because the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. I believe David had in mind this reciprocal love here uh, that God has demonstrated when he was thinking about uh, perhaps uh, the Lord dealing with uh, Moses back in Exodus when he wanted to see God face to face, but he could not, or he would have been struck dead. What did God do? The next best thing, put him in the cleft of a rock as it were, put a covering over him so he wouldn't be struck covered him with his hand, if you will, and then passed by, gave him, giving Moses all that he could take as a human being. 
Not all that he asked for necessarily, but all that he could take. That's how sweet God is in dealing with us, even as he did. He condescended to Moses, this prophet of the Old Testament. This answers the question about who God is. What is he? Doesn't it? If I ask you the question, uh, see how well you know the catechism or the uh, confession, Westminster Confession. What is God? What would you answer? We don't have any seminary. Yeah, we've got one seminary. I won't pick on him though. <laughs> what do you come up with from the confession? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. What if you ask an Old Testament Christian, an Israelite, what is God? His answer would be part of what we found here, part of what we find in Exodus. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And that was their experience. I wonder if we can speak out of that experience. Compassionate, gracious. What a picture we have of that in verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children. What if your child, what has your child ever done that would make you just throw them out, kick them to the curb as the vernacular is? It's probably nothing. It doesn't mean you wouldn't punish them. It doesn't mean you wouldn't be estranged to some degree, but you would show compassion. And God is the most compassionate of all fathers. As a, the best example we have on the earth is as you would to your children. He does this. He is full of compassion, full of this. <laughs> Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? What words did he use? How did the prayer begin? That you, if you came from worship, recite it today or will when you go to worship. How does the prayer start? Jesus said, he's your father. Pray like this, our father. You're praying to a compassionate God who knows you, <laughs> knows your very thoughts and knows them from the, your conception to your end on this life. And yet he has compassion. This is the answer to that question. Well, who should praise the Lord? And we have that in verses 19 to 22. We'll look at that very quickly. The Lord has established his throne where? in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And here are some of the examples of that. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places. That's who should praise the Lord. Does that include us? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you do for Thanksgiving? What do you do? Well, I was, pardon? Eat. <laughs> I can give a hearty amen to that. But you also praise him and thank him for his goodness. Yes. I was in a business, uh, I don't know how many days ago, two or three days ago, and uh, the lady working behind the counter asked her co-workers, what are you thankful? I thought, wow, I'm not even in a church setting and somebody said that. Well, that's what our tradition was when we get together with our children and grandchildren is to go around the table and say, what are you thankful for? 
Can you think of anything? There's a reasons why we should praise God. You could look across the table at a relative you aren't particularly close to and others that you're very close to. Well, I'm thankful that I'm part of this family, that I'm part of this group. Look at whom God says, or David in writing this says, should bless the Lord, the angels, the angels, the mighty ones who are his messengers, like a right-hand man to God in doing his bidding. They should bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. And if you're not in that group, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Which places are not under God's dominion? <laughs> there aren't any, brothers and sisters. There aren't any. If you'll notice these verses here in 21 and 22 echo what we read back in verses one and two. David brings this psalm together nicely in that way. And throughout the psalm, he makes a progression in verses one through five, he uses, for the most part, the uh, pronoun my. Then he gets to verses 10 through 18, he uses the word our. Verses 19 to 22, he uses the term all, all. And in verse 22, he gets back to the my. Bless the Lord, O my soul. touches everything and everybody, doesn't it? And that talks about us. Let me ask you a couple questions. Is there any real, real praise in your heart today for the Lord Jesus Christ? You better gin some up, if you will, before you go to worship, if you don't have any. It is very easy to grow cold and complacent. When you consider all the problems we have physically that we have to pray about, when you think about your financial difficulties that you may experience, and the two might be connected, your health problems with your financial problems, I'm here to tell you. It's easy to grow cold in situations like this. It would have been easy for David to tell the people that he's writing to, particularly himself, you know, this just isn't worth it. I don't stand a chance. I have blown everything. But God says no. And so we ought to praise him. He comes to David and after repentance, which is genuine, he calls David on characteristics that God gave him, a man after God's own heart. How we should praise God. None of us has sunk too low. <laughs> Do you have any share real share in the blessings that David's talking about here. What am I asking you? Well, I'm asking you, first of all, are you a true believer? You don't share some of these blessings here. You and I don't if we're not true believers. It seems like everybody can, everybody should have you. Well, if not so, look at verses 17 and 18 again. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On who? On whom? On those who fear him. So if you don't enter into these blessings, maybe you don't fear him as you should. We're talking about this 
God fear, this awe-inspiring thing, and to those who keep his covenant. If we haven't experienced the things that David's talking about, maybe we need to check ourselves on these two points. <clears throat> I trust you, you do. We fear him and we will keep his covenant. That's the way to the blessings David's talking about here. I don't know, maybe you, uh, you know, if I really want to know how to build something, I would come to a guy like Todd here and ask him for instruction. Uh, have a friend who learned how to erect a stone wall after a trip to Peru on one of our missions. Uh, a brother there in Peru taught him how to do this. We want to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. David knew. <laughs> David knew. Who could get a better testimony than this man? This man. Do you have any questions or comments? Well, if not, let me close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. I pray that we, in this very humble way we've looked at it, would inspire us to service to you. I pray, Father, thanking you for the revelation of who you are. I pray that it would bring sanctification to us, bless us and work for you. Make us like, not just like David, make us like the Lord of David, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask in his name, amen.